Well, tonight I want to talk to you about help, baby, help. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says, It is possible to release and it becomes more. It is possible to release and it becomes more. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the generous person shall be prosperous. By helping others, he helps himself. Other translations say, by watering others, you yourself will be watered. I want to talk to you tonight about help, baby, help. Some of the challenges I think we face in the 21st century, there's a lot of them, but I want to label a few of them. I want to maybe uh, kind of chuck a few out there to see how we can see some of these challenges that work against the promise of God, that work against the, the things that God is trying to build. And one of the things I think is a challenge in the 21st century is this world called self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. What, what is self-sufficiency? Well, I guess if you want to define it or boil it down to something, it's basically, I don't need you. Self-sufficiency has this attitude, I don't need you. I, I don't need the church. I don't need this mystical person in the sky. I don't need this religion. I don't need this nonsense. I don't need this fairy tale stuff, this dinosaur stuff. I don't need this Bible rubbish. I mean, if you just want to keep pushing the buttons in just in Berlin alone and just go to people with a few things, and you'll be surprised what comes out of them. I don't need that rubbish. But when you get I don't need you, you'll always have this I don't want you. I don't need is often I don't want. I don't need you. And truth is, I don't want you. We hear I don't need you, but we receive it as I don't want you. And I think when we give this affront to God, I don't need you, are we basically saying I just don't want you? It's kind of an indirect way of saying I don't want you, but how many people today literally are living a life of self-sufficiency? We live in an affluent world. We have people who have access to finances and jobs and we are in a stable you know, country in, the, in comparison to a lot of countries around the world like Venezuela or Brazil or some other nations that have got some massive challenges. At least we've got a reasonable, stable government. I mean, I know it's weakened. I know it's a coalition set up. I know there's different things coming up still. It's not safe forever. But what I am trying to say is, is thank God for the nation we live in, the city we live in, even though it's not perfect. Airports can get opened and roadworks seem to be everywhere today and Trams seem to have an extended holiday, and I don't know. I mean, you can get irritated if you want to, but the truth is, I love Berlin. I love the colors of the trees. But self-sufficiency is one of the great challenges. I don't need you. I I trust that, I I pray that we are not that kind of people, that we have got that self-sufficiency attitude. Self-sufficiency. To be independent, I guess, is not a negative thing. But in the context of walking with God, I actually believe that we do need Jesus. I believe that you need Jesus. I believe that humanity needs a Savior. And the reason I say it is because if we don't say yes to Jesus, we say yes to someone or something. It's not, oh, I don't care about Jesus who gives a rip. It's more like, well, I'm just going to replace Jesus with someone else or something else. And Jesus has been replaced in people's lives. 
We might not go to him for salvation, but we do go to our boyfriends for salvation or our girlfriends or our relationships or our jobs or this or that. There's a lot of communities out there. People will unite around different things. But ultimately, it's not a community of redemption. And what is different about the house of God? It's a community that is about redemption. It's not perfect, but it has a better chance than any other community in the sense of its narrative is a narrative of redemption. And so that's one of the challenges. We need to understand self-sufficiency works against us. And it works against, I believe, the God's intentions for our city, for our world, and for humanity. Fixed mindsets, I believe, is another challenge. Fixed mindsets. I am this way, why change? A fixed mindset is, well, I'm not going to try anything too hard because, you know, it's, let me give you another way of saying it. A fixed mindset is a mentality of nothing ventured, nothing lost. Whereas a growth mindset is nothing ventured, nothing gained. I've been raised with that mentality is there's nothing ventured, nothing's gained. In other words, I'm always about living my life with, well, let's go and see what happens. Let's step out into the unknown and let's see what's around the corner. Whereas a fixed mindset literally says, well, my talents are my talents. And really what happens with a fixed mindset, it literally, it limits your potential. It actually places no value on your potential or God-given potential. And so what you do is, is you stay within your limitations and it's, it's a position of lack than it is a position of abundance. And I really want to challenge you that in a European mindset, that, that there is a more tendency in Europe to lean towards a fixed mindset than a growth mindset. And so this becomes an enemy to everything that God wants for your life. And you have to understand God's word is not going to limit your mindset. It's going to enlarge your mindset. Your thinking and your possibilities get bigger, not smaller. Can anyone say amen? So a fixed mindset is a little bit like I am this way. In other words, What's the need for developing? What's the need for learning more languages? What's the need for looking around the corner? What's the need for going out into the unknown? What's the need? In other words, it's always about holding back instead of releasing. And what does Proverbs say? It is possible to release and become more. It is possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. We need to release the younger generation if we want to step into the digital age. We've got to embrace technology into every area of society, especially the big industries that have been around a long time and have got used to the old ways. We can change and revolutionize the medical world and the health industry just by embracing technology and digitalizing it. And there is new jobs in it and there's new ways of advanced medicine. There's new way, And that's just one industry and we could talk about lots of others. But today I wanted to help you understand a fixed mindset is not just bad in the church. It's bad everywhere. Education is another area where we need growth mindsets, not fixed mindsets. Another area I believe that sometimes works against the promise of God is small thinking. Honestly, when we walked into this building, so many of the guys were, <gasps> it's so big. And now it feels so small. And another one I want to give you here is passivity. Self-sufficiency, fixed mindsets, small thinking, passivity. Passivity is simply another way of saying it's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. I think sometimes we don't realize how passivity gets a hold of us in more ways than we can imagine. Let me give you another definition of passivity, remaining inactive, lacking initiative, remaining indifferent, 
not resistant. Not resistant. Wow, that's interesting. And so what I want you to understand is, I don't believe God's called us to be self-sufficient. I believe God's calling us to rely on His goodness every step of the way. I believe that we can have a growth mindset and really start to live to the potential God's given us. I believe that we, we can uh, overcome small thinking, which just lacks capacity, and to believe for big thinkers and to believe that we can be big thinkers in life and, and to really be delivered from passivity into it is my responsibility and I'm going to become proactive. I'm going to be a part of the solution in Jesus' name. So these are the things that I believe are challenges in the 21st century. So what I want to do is I want to turn this into how can we help each other? How can we help people that are in our world? And I want to turn this into a message about helping others. Help, baby, help. And I want to give you first, before I go there, a story that's found in Acts chapter 3. And I believe this defines the two types of people that we've got to just shoot, what kind of church we're going to be. And so let me read it to you and then we'll illustrate it. Is that okay? So Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Three o'clock prayer service. Wow, maybe that's a word from the Lord that we need to start a three o'clock service. As they approached the temple, a man crippled from birth was being carried in. Everybody say carried. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Gate Beautiful. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man, the crippled man, looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. The name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the crippled man by the hand and helped him up. As he did, strength and healing came into the man's feet and ankles. He jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk around. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the crippled beggar they had seen so often at a gate beautiful, they were absolutely astounded. Verse 16 says, Faith in Jesus' name has healed this man. Standing before you, it is the faith that comes through believing in Jesus' name that has made the crippled man walk right in front of your eyes. I've always loved this story. I've always loved and been drawn to this over the years that I've read it many, many times. And here I believe it gives us a great example of what kind of church I believe we're called to build and what kind of church we're not called to build. What kind of people are we going to be? Are we going to be the people that carry people? Or are we going to be the people that put a hand down and lift them up? I want to be the kind of person that lifts people up, not just carries them. And I believe here we get so much insight and I want to give you practical things that every one of us can do to help people. Now the Bible says each day this crippled man was carried and placed in front of Gate Beautiful outside the temple. And in the next chapter, chapter 4, when they got arrested by the high priests 
and the religious people of the day, they were sent to prison. Peter and John were put in jail for the night and, and, and it caused an absolute storm in the city. But literally it says that the man was in his 40s. We don't have an exact number. We know that he was in his 40s. So for 40 years plus, born, it says here, Luke captures it for us. He was from crippled. We don't know why he was crippled. We just know he was born crippled. And basically for over 40 years, this man is being carried, right? And then one day, Peter and John, Jesus has already died. He's already resurrected. He's already revealed himself and shown himself to the disciples. He's already ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in the church and they start doing incredible things. There was a boldness on them. They had a relationship with Jesus, a man that you cannot see. And yet these men were fearless in the face of Rome, in the face of oppression, in the face of public opinion, in the face of religious law. They were fearless. They had such a relationship with Jesus that nothing was going to get in the way of that relationship. And so we find ourselves in an incredible moment in the early days of the church. And I believe this is going to be how the 21st century church is going to be. And this is the thing. They look at him and he looks and he's thinking, I'm just going to get a few coins to get a few bread rolls from Riwi or Riva. And then I'm going to go home. I'm going to get a brockwurst. I'm going to get some currywurst. And, and, and he's, he's just thinking bread for the day. And so Peter and John already carrying the fragrance of Jesus, literally look at him and say, look at me. Look at me. There was a focus. There was a purpose. There was a deliver. They'd already seen him, but I don't think the man wasn't looking to people. He was looking to the money. He was looking to something else except and I want you to know that it's not things that are going to heal you. It's people. A lot of us in our 21st century, we're quick to go to things. God wants to take you to people. God sent a person, not a thing. And, and, and we get healed when we talk to one another. You talk to God and He will always forgive you. Forgiveness is with Him. But sometimes we don't complete the story unless we talk to each other. There's something about talking to each other. That's why self-sufficiency works against the church if we don't understand we need each other. You need me, I need you. We can't get to our future on our own. And so that's why he is now encouraged to look to a person, not to money. He thinks his answer is money and his answer is not money. His answer is a life restored. Like the young son that came home one day, living his life, getting to eat the pig slop, he comes home one day and the father says, why do you dream so low? The son just wanted to come back and be a slave in the father's house. And the father said, quick, put the garments on his back. Quick, put the robe on him, put the ring on his finger. In other words, everything about the father is quick to lift you up, not to pull you down. Why do you dream so low? And he's dreaming for a coin. And not realizing that what he really needs is right in front of them. 
And who's carrying a spirit of faith here? Peter and John. And so he says, look at me. He says, I don't have what you're looking for, silver and gold. And even if I had it, it's not gonna help you. But what I do have, it's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's powerful. The name of Jesus. Why do we speak the name of Jesus? Because all of heaven stands to attention. The name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Not the name of religion, not the name of a denomination. It's not the name of Hillsong that heals the sick. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. And so he says, and what I love about him, he reaches down and he pulls him up. Now, this is scary. Why? Because he's never done it. He's been crippled since birth. You see, what I'm trying to say is if Peter and John had looked at him, analyzed him, assessed the situation, well, technically speaking, medically speaking, sociologically speaking, biologically speaking, I'm being a bit silly, but I'm just trying to say they didn't analyze all the reasons why he couldn't. They basically gave them, gave him what they had. And what I'm trying to say is, is there's only ever going to be faith in your life from what you have. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's never going to be faith. So faith comes from a relationship. Revelation comes from a relationship. Help comes through a relationship. And so what he does is he reaches down and as he's pulling him up, that's where the miracle kicks in. It says literally, strength and healing came into his ankles, into his feet. That was bold. And you see, if we're going to live in the 21st century with all the analyzing, with all the reasons why not, what I am asking is to read the Word of God for yourself. What I am asking in this moment is to realize where does your help come from? See, we think carrying people every day for over 40 years. He was carried in the morning and he was put at the gate. And he got a few coins, he got a few bread rolls, and he went home. That's not a life. That is a prison sentence. And I want you to know that this is not about pulling people out of wheelchairs. That's not what this is about. This is a story about God's people having a relationship that caused them to not be moved with the natural and live limited, but to be moved by the supernatural and to see God's resources coming into human lack. It's not a story of irresponsibility. It's a story of faith. And faith comes from a relationship. I'm not asking you to be stupid and to be disrespectful of people, but I'm not asking us neither to pull back and be passive, self-sufficient, small-minded, fixed mindsets. We've got to believe that people can change. And no one believed this man could change. And so as he lifted him up, listen to me, as he lifted him up, I'm just trying to say, what kind of church? Are we going to build a church where we carry people? 
just carrying. I mean, think about the guys. I mean, think about this. How faithful were the guys that carried them every week? And at nighttime, they came at six o'clock in the evening, picked them up, carried them home. The point I'm making is we're not called just to carry people. We're called to believe that God can transform people. Our narrative is a narrative of transformation. You see, you can carry someone and never believe God for transformation. And you've got to know the difference, and this is what we're called to do. I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. So Peter took the crippled man by the right hand, and he helped him up. He helped him up. We're called to help people up. We're called to help people up. And this is what we've got to realize is that you've got to have a spirit of faith to help people up. And the spirit of faith doesn't forget the facts. It just makes God bigger than the facts. And I just want you to know that this is not a story that just someone made up. Dr. Luke didn't just make it up. This is the story of the church. This is the narrative of the people of faith. And what does it say? He was walking, leaping, leaping, jumping, <laughs> praising God. And he went into the temple with Peter and John, leaping, praising In this moment of lifting up, he didn't stop walking. He continued to walk. Some of you in here, and maybe you feel like life's crippled you. But you're not to sit back down. You're to keep walking. And I'm speaking to some of you tonight because you've been acting like the crippled man. Why isn't someone going to carry me? This is not a church that's going to carry you. It's going to lift you up and it's going to encourage you in the name of Jesus Keep walking, keep praising, keep going where you've never been, keep doing what you've never done, keep looking to Jesus all the way. So let me give you a few things here quickly. Number one, help people to become, to come and get planted in church. This is a story about someone helping someone with what they really need. I'm telling you now, there's a whole lot of people that need help with coming and getting planted in church. Give people what they really need. You need to get planted. You need to get your roots down. You need to get stable. You need to come home. You need to stay home. You, me, us together, help baby help. Help people to come and to stay and to grow so they can go to the glory of God. Amen. Number two, help people to get connected and get involved. You believe people getting connected is going to hurt them? You believe people getting involved is going to hurt them? No, my friend, it's withholding that hurts you. It's pulling back that holds you back. It's about stepping in, getting involved, getting connected, making new friends, believing that you're going to go where you've never been, see what you've never seen before, do what you've never done before. You're not going to do that by withholding. You're going to do it by letting go. Help someone to get connected and to get involved. Number three, let's help people to learn how to pray about how good God is, not how hard life is. Don't make all your prayers about how life is so hard. Make all your prayers about how good God is. 
Change the narrative. How good is God? How faithful is God? How big is God? How awesome is God? Anybody want to help people change their prayer life? Come on, help people to learn how to pray about how good God is. Number four, help people to apply God's Word to their life. Are you going to help people to apply God's Word? I don't want to talk about that. No, we need to help each other. Help, baby, help. Number five, help people to develop a generous mindset. Oh man, I love that I can give to my church. You give to your church? Yeah, you can too. Well, uh, do I have to? No, you don't have to, but why would you not want to? I mean, come on, let's believe God. And how much have you got to live on this month? Oh, not much. Well, come on, let's believe God. I mean, no one's telling you to give. Someone's just trying to help you to get a hold of God for your life. So let's just help some people develop a generous mindset. God can. God will. God has. Come on, people of faith. It's contagious. It lifts everything, lifts everyone. Number six, help people to take communion with celebration, not desperation. Celebration. Communion is to be celebrated and with a spirit of faith. And number seven, let's help people to focus on Jesus and His grace. Jesus and His grace, not law and our sin. Not law and our sin. You and I will never measure up but we've been placed in Christ. The call of God is not to be perfect. The call of God is to be placed in perfection. In Christ, who is perfect, He makes up for all our shortcomings. Can we help people focus on Jesus and His grace? Can we help point people to Jesus and His grace?